You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. On this occasion, we would like to thank all of our listeners for supporting us all throughout this journey and uh, for also providing their feedback all along. Um, now, continuing with our World Cup Digest, we would like to talk about matches number 44 and 45, uh, the matches that were played between India and Sri Lanka at Headingley and Australia and South Africa at Old Trafford, respectively. Let me welcome my co-host, Ajit, so that we can talk about this. Hello, Ajit. How is it going? It goes okay. How is it with your uh, trip? Uh, are you enjoying your holiday? Well, I wouldn't call it a holiday, but yeah. I suppose you can also call it a bit of a holiday, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not too bad. Uh, warmer climbs, right? So I think it's uh, it's not it's not so bad. How is it going with you uh, in terms of cricket? How is your season coming along? Well, I mean, uh, yeah, we've had a very mixed sort of a season. I think we should mm-hmm. start winning more matches. Yesterday was also a very close game and it was a bit of a heartbreak. We lost very narrowly. So I think I'm uh, looking forward to, you know, contributing a bit more and making sure we continue to win or at least start winning again. Let me put it like this. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to look at the agenda for today, we can start off with the match uh, between India and Sri Lanka. Would you like to take us through the scores? Yeah, so this match between India and Sri Lanka was played at uh, Headingley Leeds. Uh, Sri Lanka won the toss and decided that they were going to have a bat first. They lost a flurry of wickets at the top of the order with Karuna Ratna, Kusal Pereira, uh, Avishka Fernando, the talented Avishka Fernando, as well as Kusal Mendis um, getting out to the Indian bowlers. Indian bowlers sort of began well apart from Bhuvaneshwar Kumar, who looked a bit offbeat. So when they lost the fourth wicket, Sri Lankans had 55 runs on board, but then started the uh, rescue effort from Angelo Matthews and uh, Lahiru Tiramanna. Uh, these two guys put on a fantastic 100-plus uh, run partnership. I think they added 124 runs for the fifth wicket before uh, Tiramanna was out of the bowling of uh, Kuldeep Yadav. Tiramanna made uh, 53 runs, but Angelo Matthews continued to bat on, and he was soon after joined by... Dananjaya De Silva, and they also part, put together a sizable partnership. When Angelo Matthews got out, the score was 253 runs, and uh, he had made a wonderful century. He had made 113 runs from uh, 128 deliveries. Um, the Sri Lankan tail did not wag that much, and in the end, they managed to score 264 runs for the loss of seven wickets in 50 overs. So um, when it comes to the bowling figures, like I said, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar had uh, an off day. He went for a lot of runs, 73 runs. Uh, picked up a wicket though in his 10 overs. Hardik Pandya bowled his 10 overs for 50 runs and picked up a wicket. Jadeja bowled 10 overs, 40 runs and a wicket. Kuldeep Yadav picked up a wicket in his 10 overs but went for 58 runs. The pick of the bowlers, like always, Jaspreet Bumrah. Three wickets for 37 runs in his 10 overs. He had a wonderful opening spell, I think. But his uh, death over bowling was also very admirable. Indian batting... You know, looked very good. The openers put on a fantastic 189-run partnership. I think this is the highest opening partnership of this uh, Cricket World Cup. Both the openers scored centuries. Rahul made 111 runs, uh, but Rohit Sharma was the first to go. He made a, a brisk 103 runs. Rahul got out soon after. He uh, And uh, when he got out, the score was 244 runs. Virat Kohli uh, 
remained not out uh, on 34 runs. Uh, Rishabh Pant was a bit of a failure. He couldn't uh, capitalize. I think it was an easier chase and he was not there out till the end. And Pandya and Kohli finished it off for India in under 44 overs. So India won the match comfortably by chasing down a target of 265 runs. Rohit Sharma was awarded the player of the match yet again for his fifth century of this Cricket World Cup. And uh, India at this point in time went to the top of the table with the next match between Australia and uh, South Africa to decide who was going to finish second, whether it was going to be India or Australia. So, Ajit, did you catch this match live? Well, not all of it, but uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to follow a bunch of it, at least at the beginning and towards the end. The Indian bowlers began very brightly. The pitch did not look to have that much in it at the beginning, so it was purely down to the bowlers and how they started to get the wickets that they did. There may have been even a drop of Avishka Fernando very early on, and I was worried he would capitalize on it. But uh, he was still sorted out by Pandya. And then, uh, of course, even when they lost Mendes, it was then down to Matthews and Thirimanna, who did a very admirable job right there. Even Matthews was dropped when he was in his 60s, if I'm not wrong. That was a tough running in catch. And uh, as a result, once Matthews uh, was dropped, he was able to capitalize. And even though Thirimanna got out, I think Dananja de Silva kept him company and they took the score to about you know 253, at which time Matthews was dismissed for a very well-made 130. A lot of credit here to the Indian fast bowlers. Even though Bhuvaneshwar Kumar went for a bit of runs here, I think he did his bit. Bumrah was, of course, the pick. He took 3 for 37. And then, of course, you had Pandya and then Jadeja and Kuldeep Yadav each picking one wicket. Jadeja finally got a game and he was actually very unlucky to not pick more wickets than just the one wicket. And then when you look at the Indian innings, I think it was done in a very professional way where Rahul and Rohit Sharma continued to mount the runs and then both managed centuries. So uh, Rohit Sharma did uh, something unique. He scored the fifth World Cup 100. But as far as Rahul is concerned, this was a very important uh, 100 because it will really boost his you know confidence going into the knockouts. And of course, he also was able to maintain a very good uh, strike rate towards the end of his innings. So he started slowly, but because Rohit Sharma was aggressive, he had the band to you know play slow. Kohli did his bit and made sure the game was finished. There was not a lot to write home about when it came to the Sri Lankan bowlers. Malinga, I think, tried his heart out, but was also very costly. Uh, Pereira was very uh, parsimonious, but uh, that would not help in such a game. I guess they had to go for wickets. So all in all, it was a very comprehensive win for India and a good one to finish it off uh, going into the knockouts to keep their confidence high end. Another thing I would like to quickly remark about is the bad first advantage that has come up in the second half of the group stages. So if you look at the first 21 games, it was always even like who batted first or who won the toss and batted first was always even. So that meant uh, 11 times the team that was bowling the toss batted first and 10 times they chose to field first. But in the second half, in the last 20 games of the group stages, you can clearly see 16 times team that has won the toss has chosen to bat first. This is a good indication that maybe with the used pitches coming in in the tournament, you can clearly see teams are more serious about putting a big total on the pitch so that they are slower bowlers and the other bowlers can take effect and they can defend the score. Now, if you were to go further, the last league game was also played on 6th of July. This was a day-night game between South Africa and Australia. So in this case, it was played in Old Trafford at Manchester. And in this case, South Africa won the toss and chose to bat first. They put up a very good score. You know, 325 for 6 is a very good score. But, you know, one felt they could have gone on to make a bit more. Mark Rum and Quinton de Kock provided a solid start. Mark Rum at 34. And then Quinton de Kock 52 at better than run a ball. But then Faf Plessis held one end together until the near end of the innings where he made 100 and even 100 of 94 balls. Van de Dusen made 95 of 97 balls and he was the last man out of the last ball. He was trying to 
go for a six, but he couldn't and he was dismissed. And then JP Dumini, he made 14 in his farewell game. Uh, Dwayne Pretorius made two and then Pelukwayo just four. But all in all, also a bit of kudos to the Australian bowlers because they were able to drag South Africa back from a very strong 265 in just 43rd over when 15 plus he was dismissed. They were able to drag them back. Also, after the 35th over, uh, they bowled really well. So Mitchell Stark took two for uh, 59. He was a bit costly in the beginning. But then Behrendorf took one for 55 of eight. Nathan Lyon took two for 53 of his 10. He was the best bowler on display, it can be said. And then um, Pat Cummins took one for 66. Glenn Maxwell bowled his full court of 10 overs and considered 57 runs, but could not take a wicket. When it came, their turn to bat. Australia did not start as brightly as they would have liked because Aaron Finch was dismissed for three by Imran Tahir. And then Usman Khwaja had to walk out because he was... Um, he felt a pinch in his hamstring and uh, he had to go retired hurt. Then Steven Smith came in and he was also dismissed LBW as he was caught shuffling at the crease to Dwayne Pretorius. Then Marcus Toynis and Dave Warner took the score forward. So at the time, Steven Smith was dismissed. Uh, they were in a bit of trouble to say the least, 33 for 2 or 33 for 3 effectively. And then Marcus Toynis, him and uh, Dave Warner took the score to 95. And this was still within the 20th over. So they were also keeping more or less up with the rate or the sort of expected rate. Glenn Maxwell again failed trying to hook a bouncer of Rabada and getting caught splendid catch by Decock. And then uh, Marcus Toynis, uh, just a small point to talk about, was also a no-look run out by uh, Quentin Decock. That was also very well done by him. And then Alex Carey and uh, Dave Warner got together and they really put together a very, very nice partnership. So they took the score from 119 to 227 in very good time, at which time Dave Warner was dismissed for a very well-made 122 at better than run a ball. So David Warner is really doing well in this tournament and he's repaying the faith of the Australian selectors and also making a, a bit of, uh, let's say, reparations on what happened a year ago. Alex Carey was really the pick of the Australian batsman in this innings because he's 85, could not win the match for Australia, but it was scored in very quick time at a strike rate of nearly 125. And he kept the tail company. Pat Cummins made 9, Stark 16, Berendorf 11, but he kept them all company. And then he was nearly instrumental. Basically, he nearly took Australia home. Even though they were all out uh, with 10 runs uh, remaining, they could have almost achieved it if it was a matter of a couple of balls there. So he really, really played well there. So a lot of kudos to him. When it comes to bowling, Imran Tahir in his farewell match took 1 for 59. And then Rabada took 3 for 56 of his 10. Uh, Dwayne Pretorius was really good. He took 2 for 27 of just uh, 6 overs. And then Pehlukwaya was a bit costly, but he was able to take a couple of wickets as well. He took 2 for 22 in his third over. Yeah, South Africa, I think, did well in the end. Uh, so it's good for their team. I think uh, the team morale will be high you know, with them ha- ending the uh, World Cup on a positive note, I have to say. Um, I happened to catch Australia's batting when Warner and uh, Carey, when these two guys were batting, I happened to catch this live. I think I tried to follow the match until the end of the innings from there, until the end of the match from there. And for once, I thought, you know, this Carey, this guy Carey is looking so good. He was playing, you know, dare I say, like... Adam Gilchrist, for example. And I think the Australian uh, team management is already saying that he might be part of the Ashes squad as well, right? So so it, it looks very good for them. They have found a nice young uh, wicketkeeper who looks the real deal here. And David Warner, he was just trying to accelerate and he was caught by the big fellow Chris Morris at mid-on. I think that turned the match a little bit. But then Carey didn't give up. I think he was, he was supported by Mitchell Stark. He was there till the end. And then he, when he got out, when Carey got out, I think uh, the match was almost, uh, yeah, well, it was truly done. But amazing performance by Australia. Almost, you know, sealed the deal, sealed the chase there. But I think towards the end, South Africa held their nerve uh, better. And actually, they helped India, I have to say, <laughs> in a way. Uh, because India will now play um, New Zealand 
instead of India playing against England. Um, so India play New Zealand and England will play Australia again uh, at, uh, I believe, Edgebaston. So a lot right. to look forward to in the semifinals then. I think uh, New Zealand have been talked down a little bit. I think they, they uh -huh. have been under the radar. Let me right. put it that way. They've been, I think their form has not been so good in the last few matches that they've played in the last few uh, group stages uh, games. So India have the upper hand here. The India come as the favorites. But New Zealand with no real pressure on them might pull a surprise here. Uh, and uh, um, and Australia, England is going to be a cracker. Uh, what do you think? I mean, who do you think will uh, make it through to the finals? What what are your What is your take on this? Well, you're right. You know, New Zealand... Uh have been held together by a big plaster called Kane Williamson. Mm. But um, there, there is still a lot to that team. You know, mm. um, Martin Guptill has had a very quiet tournament. He could come good. You know, it's like if you remember the 2007 campaign, what happened with uh, Adam Gilchrist, you know, something like that might yet happen. And he has the firepower to do that as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And also their middle order has been slightly sort of missing. Ross Taylor had a couple of off matches in between. But, um, you know, they have at one point or other in the tournament, they have still fired. So, Jimmy Nisham and Colin DeGrandom did their work. Tom Latham performed in the previous match. So Ross Taylor has been performing previously. And then, uh, Ken Williamson is Ken Williamson. So, all hmm. they need is a good start. Something that is uncharacteristic that Martin Guptill probably is probably playing within his shell. I saw a bit of that. Maybe he's trying to re rediscover his form through grinding out a bad patch, as they say. But maybe the other thing he needs to do is to come hit out. Right? What's mm -hmm. the worst thing that can happen? So I don't see them dropping him for the such a crucial game. He has a good foil in Henry Nichols. So he can trust him. I don't see Colin Munro coming back. So probably it'll be Nichols and... Uh, so if mm. he can trust uh, his you know hand eye and go for it he may yet discover that special innings that might be required so they'll need to put runs on the board that's what i would back them to do on the other hand if india were to bat first um trent bolt will have to come to the party again and he'll require a bit of support from i expect henry to play but uh, Lockie ferguson and henry they'll have to do their bit somehow saudi may miss out i feel and colin de graham grandhome could provide that crucial philip overs in the middle overs where you know he'll keep the runs down on one end and then a lot will ride on santner because indians are good players of spin and they probably also are aware of him because he played in the ipl so a lot will depend on how the fast bowlers start with the two new balls as far as New Zealand is concerned. So for me, it'll be the first 10 or 12 overs which will really decide the match one way or the other. Right? If they mm -hmm. can put 325 plus on the board, they have a real good chance. On the other hand, if they bowl first, if they can get at least two of top three batters of India very quickly, they again have a good chance. If they can put a bit of pressure on the middle order of India, they can also maybe restrict them to under 300. Yeah, I think it's going to be a cracker. And Indian batting is still struggling. The middle order has not clicked. Right? So the, even in the previous match against Sri Lanka, it was the top three contributing. And uh, Rishabh Pant did not make a sizable contribution there. Uh, and uh, guys like Dinesh Karthik, I didn't, I don't think he has had a lot of match time, or he hasn't batted a lot in the matches. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, uncertainty there in the middle order. Uh, so Dhoni will be very crucial, uh, even though I've been a critic of his batting, but I think he is the glue that will hold the Indian middle order together. Um, and if we, India don't lose. Early wickets against New Zealand, I think uh, it will be very difficult for New Zealand from there on. However, if India do lose new, uh, early wickets, then it's going to be a different ball game altogether. So let's hope for a great contest there, a tight one, and then may the best team win. But uh, odds, I would say, you know, are uh, stacked favorably uh, in uh, on India's side. So let's see how it goes.
indeed indeed so i think we can take a look at the second semi final a bit later so the first semi final will be india and uh, new zealand and may the best team win let's really hope uh, india wins but uh, you know let's hope at least there's going to be a tough match and may the best team win right now going forward if you were to look at some of the news from uh, the world cup uh, so there are four teams remaining and australia seems to be a bit hit by injuries so we've heard that khwaja who had to walk off with a twinge in the match against south africa has really hurt his hamstring again it's not a good thing and um, also wade has been sort of lined up as a replacement so we will know a bit more in one or two days about it again mitch marsh has been called up as a backup for stoinis like for like backup in this case right so is wade a good cover for khwaja or do you think kiri well it's a left hand batsman right i think i would have actually picked wade to start with because he was in scintillating form in the bbl he played and i think also domestic season he had a good one there in australia khwaja i think is more of a grinder and is a in innings builder but wade is more of an aggressive batsman and uh, matthew wade is also capable of opening uh, the innings but that the opening partnership will not change so he will probably have to come in at 3 it's very interesting but what do you think about pete hanscom i think he will also replace uh, sean marsh and uh, marcus stoin is being replaced by mitch marsh yeah so so it's going to be interesting how the batting order will look like for australia so if it's matthew wade i think it's a new uh, ingredient there maybe a surprise element for england as well they can't bowl uh, to some plans that they would have you know drawn right. up for uh, Khwaja. I don't know. I think for Australia, I think it's going to be crucial, especially uh, the the bowling department is going to be very important. Mm-hmm. How Mitchell Mitchell Stark has been in very good form. If he continues that form, I think England will have a lot of trouble up the order, especially Johnny Bairstow and Jason Roy. If right. they break the opening partnership early, then England England's middle order will be order will be exposed, and uh, guys like uh, you know Butler, Owen Morgan, and uh, Stokes will have to play earlier. Mm-hmm. Although they are good batsmen and they have been in good form. but it's not like they have been asked to bat very early in the uh, batting innings right so it's it's also a different thing sir uh, so we have to look at so many different factors i'm sure both the teams will have you know made some plans for <laughs> the individual players as well so mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah edge baston i think kohli complained about that short boundary on one side so it's going to be another that's the same question being asked again i think so it's also uh, I think that will also be a deciding factor in the number of spin, spinners that will be fielded in that match, uh, because guys like uh, David Warner can hit those balls a long way, you know, even mm-hmm. to the longer part of the ground uh, with a reverse hit or a switch hit. Right. So, so they will have to consider all these things. Uh, so the first semi-final will be on Tuesday, and the next one will be on Thursday, I believe, and the finals will be played on uh, Sunday. So, three more matches. right look uh, when it comes to england uh, australia there may also be some subtle undercurrents of with the ashes coming up uh, there may be subtle undercurrents of uh, trying to establish uh, superiority already going into the ashes right so mm-hmm. neither team will want to lose so i am more interested in the game within the game so to say you know mm-hmm. the the players are very evenly matched and australia being yeah. australia they'll always be very tough in a knockout situation yeah. and if i can go back a little i think they would really miss somebody like usman khwaja because usman khwaja and sean marsh were sort of similar players right and if both of them are not available they are actually you're right they're innings builders that's what this team needs because stoinis can build but can equally be destructive and same with glen maxwell and if wade he has shown some you know some innings building cap- uh, capacity previously but if he were to be used as a again a stop gap or a lower order hitter in that case yeah they are better served with people who can bat time so 
for me peter hanscom mm. is therefore a bit more important i think peter mm. hanscom might get a game ahead of wade even if both of them might be available and they might actually mm. be willing to go one bowl or short if that is the requirement they may push a glen maxwell to bowl more overs and then we'll have to see maybe even uh, pinch may roll his arm over if required just for a couple of overs because they need an innings builder right there because steven smith is somehow petered off a little because if steven smith was fit and firing or was fully firing on all cylinders you wouldn't need anything there but because mm-hmm. he's sort of finding it a bit tough these days i would say they would need another innings builder there and i would back uh, peter hanscom for the troll right so also him and steven smith have done the business quite a lot of times so they would be a good mm-hmm. fit right mm-hmm. now the other thing when it comes to england you are absolutely right how they combat the opening spell of probably stark and maybe berendorf if he plays the swinging spells of both of these at the very, very top of the order would be the real contest jason roy and uh, johnny best versus these two for me that would be good also the middle over battle would be good so adil rashid is there he's a little off color he appears but he's still there and he's still going to be good for me and they may bring back moin ali mm-hmm. so if they push for that and they may bring back moin ali that will also be a good contest in the middle overs so all in all it's going to be a mouthwatering uh, second semi final for me as well but as i said uh, the game within the game also will be very good to watch out for right maybe there may be some interesting things yeah. said and done before because nathan lyon has already started the mind games yeah Uh, yeah. traditionally he's fired the first uh, shot across the bows as they say so <laughs> it's going to be interesting right yeah yeah now uh, going further if you were to look at the other news from outside of the world cup so zimbabwe and ireland played the third odi uh, which ireland won very comfortably so they take the three match series 3-0 zimbabwe were asked to bat first by ireland this was played at belfast and having been invited into bat they only made 190 so the most of their top order failed except the captain who made just 23 he's had a very bad series here um sean williams was again good he made 67 but nobody supported him and then there were some good contributions uh, lower uh, down the orders with solomon mire making 14 uh, mutumbami making 28 and kyle jarvis making 28 but 190 was not going to be a challenging total because this irish squad is very high on confidence and they were able to wrap it up so sterling made 32 mccollum made uh, 54 and then uh, Porterfield made 49 and Kevin O'Brien finished it off with a 35 so they take the three match series 3-0 and i think zimbabwe will uh, want to go back and also reflect i think some of the off field issues are also beginning to plague them on field i really hope that's not the case and they are able to recover from it quickly the other match was the third odi between australia and england and uh, this one uh, was uh, played at canterbury and this one was again a rout so having won the toss and elected to field first england could not really capitalize on it and australia managed to make 269 for 7 with alisa healy making 68 and meg lanning making 69 and then a bunch of really good contributions from low down the order as a result this was a very good total to begin with but then elisa perry had other ideas on her day i think she took out the top four batsmen outright and then came back to dismiss the lower middle order and the tail and she finished for us with a 74 and england were blown away for 75 so this is a very big defeat for england as far as they are concerned all in all they've considered now a 6 point lead to australia in the ashes in the women's ashes they count the points including the entire tour not just uh, the test series so here being 6 nil down is going to be really difficult for the england team so let's see how they manage to bounce back now the next section is the trivia section so the trivia question from previous episode was a very very easy one so who is the youngest bowler to have taken a 5 in cricket world cups so if you have been following the recent cricket you definitely have come across this it is shahin shah afridi the pakistani a young rising superstar fast bowler when he took a 6 for against uh, bangladesh he was the 
youngest bowler to take a 5-4 in Cricket World Cups. So we wish him all the best going forward. And surprisingly, there were no correct answers this episode. Usually we get one or two shouts at least. So I really, again, uh, request and encourage all our listeners to come up and give us some answers. Right? The trivia question for this episode is, what is the best bowling analysis in a women's ODI cricket? We just discussed that Elisa Perry took a 7-4. But that is that the best uh, analysis or is there another one? So we would like you to let us know. You could get in touch with us to give us the answers to this via, you know, the social media, for example, Twitter at AmcheckCrickPod, using our Facebook page or leave a comment on the YouTube video or uh, you could also leave a comment on any of your uh, podcasting apps that you might use to listen to us. Also, you could write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. This could be for not only the answers to the trivia question, but also whatever thoughts and comments you may have. As always, they'll always encourage us when you do that, right? With the semifinal and the final coming up, I think we have a bunch of really, really interesting matches coming up. So I hope you do stay tuned in and do listen to our episodes. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.